All right, race fans, we are bringing you here episode 54, car 54, where are you? Is that kind of how that works? <laughs> of the One to Go show. And uh, I'm Ryan Aho. That's Bert Lehman. Bert, how are you doing, man? I, I'm doing good. Let's hurry up and get the show done so we can see the end <clears throat> of, the, of, the, of the National 100 in Alabama. Yeah, I it's still it's, not I, over. I think it was, it's still going on. I think it's still going on. A hundred laps, <laughs> seven hundred and eighty-five parade laps, um, and like six hundred and fifty-two cautions. It was absolutely nuts, right? And I think they had uh, five late model classes, but we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> uh, beforehand, we'll talk about something positive, like like uh, I'm positive that the engines that Zuli's race engines builds are far better than a crate. Nothing against my crate friends out there, right? But the fact is, he built some good engines. This is a time of year, off-season up in uh, northern Minnesota, off-season in Wissota country. Get a hold of Frank. He'll do you right. He builds engines for champions. He's been doing it for a long time. Give him a call. Now, with that said, you know, let's roll into that one first. <clears throat> you know, I was going to talk about Charlotte, but, uh, man, we had a couple debacles of events here <laughs> this weekend. You know, the National 100 – down at the East Alabama Speedway. Um, honestly, I'm looking at that deal, Bert. There's no way I could have raced that event. I couldn't even have been there. Like, it, I couldn't have done it. They started at 10 o'clock in the morning. Hell, I don't even like to get out of bed that early. You know, so I don't even know if I could have. The draw cutoff must have been at like 7 in the morning. There's like no way. I would have had to stay up from the night before just to make that happen. So that would have been off limits to this guy. 10 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> now, 11 classes. I mean, they, I'm surprised Puka didn't make the trip down there. You know, if he would have known about that, he probably would have flown down. What do you think? I think he probably went to that deal. Probably. He, he loves as many divisions as, as he can see. And he said he likes crate late models. And I mean, hell, they had four <laughs> classes of them, right? They had five late model classes. They named them all the hobby stocks and this and that and the other. But let's be honest. I think they had a 601 crate, a 602, a 604. I think they had a steel steelhead late model deal, and then they had like the open late models, right? And I'm like, the fans down there must be thoroughly confused, going, "What in the world? They they all look the same. Why are they all in different races?" It was crazy, but uh, <clears throat> I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever seen that many parade laps in in my entire life, ever, ever. I mean, it was insane. Every time there was a yellow, it was like. A minimum, there had to be at least 10 parade laps every single yellow. And getting into the late model feature, like the, the, the real late model, super late models, they had a yellow. There's pit guys out on the track, right? <laughs> they stop. There's people out on the track. They're looking at tires. They're, I'm like, every yellow. They stopped on the front straightaway like it's 1980. I'm like, what in the hell are they doing? I mean, it was, I mean you ever seen anything like that? No, I, I've, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I started watching it uh, Saturday night because I thought that's when the main event was going to be. So I'm watching, and they had, like, some hobby stocks out there. And then uh, late models came out for hot laps, and I thought, well, that's kind of different. And then they had some more heat races. And then all of a sudden they had opening ceremonies in the middle of all these heat races. And it was just like, division after division of crate late models and what's going on here and uh but yeah i mean then they started racing at at you know 10 30 in the morning uh on sunday and actually i went back on to flow racing today uh to do some research and the entire program on flow was like 12 and a half hours <laughs> again i mean I, I really, truly feel bad for Puka that he did not know about this because, like, literally, I think he's going to put this on his schedule for next year. I'm pretty sure he's probably going to go. Um, I'm not going with him, um, but he can go down there and uh, enjoy that because that's just crazy. I mean, that just – I always thought it was too much having five, six, seven classes, but this 11-class nonsense. Now, here's what else is crazy. They got all these classes, Bert. And all these support classes, they're running 50 lap features in the support classes. I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, <clears throat> it was insane. And, uh, you know, we'll get into the late. I mean, there was, I mean, it is what it is. There's a lot of racing, but they ran the, the real late models last. And obviously, by then, I mean, you have day racing with that many cars, that many classes, and that many laps, it's rubber. And it wasn't a traditional rubber. <clears throat> like, 
the whole track was rubber, like the whole track. So now you got a hundred lap feature, lots of horsepower, and there was no way. I, I think I, I could be wrong, but I think that every driver lost the right rear tire in the feature. I think that every driver, there might have been one or two that didn't. I don't know that. Maybe Joyner, the guy that won, maybe he didn't. I don't remember if he pulled off or not. But Dale McDowell kind of, Overton broke right away. I don't know what he broke. It was early. He pulled off. I thought he was mm -hmm. going to win. He pulls off. A guy that was impressive early, Sam Seawright, he was really battling for the lead there. And he kind of looked like he might have something. And then he broke something. And didn't well, they pull his hood off? What? Well, yeah, they took his hood off, but right before that, uh, there was a restart, and he, he banged into the side of McDowell and but and actually took the lead from McDowell, but then uh, the caution came out, so they went back to the last completed lap. But during that caution, and McDowell pulled up alongside of him and kind of pointed at him. That's and then it was, it, was short, it was shortly after that that he pulled into the pits, and you thought that maybe it was a tire, but, yeah, they took the hood off of the car. Yeah, that's right. He did do that. And McDowell, I mean, literally, Dale McDowell, one of the most patient drivers I've ever seen. And I figured, you know, and, and they even, you could see he was in protect mode. He wasn't abusing his stuff, but still with about eight to go, ten, whatever it was, eight, ten to go. I don't remember. It was so long. But his right retire gave up. He started fading back, and then it was just over for him. But uh, <clears throat> then that uh, that joiner, right, Joseph Joyner gets the lead. And then, uh, then what you call it got by him. Who was that dude? It was uh, Chris Martin got by him. Chris Martin got Parker. by him. There was a yellow Parker there. Martin. Was it Parker, Parker Martin or Chris Martin? Parker Martin. Parker Martin? Okay. So it was Martin, regardless. And a teenage yeah. kid. This, this, he's a teenager. Young, yeah. young dude. He got the lead, and he was gone. He had a big lead. And with about eight to go, that Hyatt, I don't know, what was his first name there, Bert? Hyatt. I don't know these guys. They're all Southern guys. I don't know. Uh, Jason. Jason Hyatt. So Jason Hyatt gets a flat, pulls in the pits, and then with two to go on, on a green-white checkered finish, 98 lap, 98, you got to remember, there's only a handful of cars on the lead lap at that point, right? So when he went to the back after a flat, he only had to go back to like eighth or whatever. So he's up to third for the green-white checkered. Right away, he disperses of Joyner, and he actually – Passed. Hyatt got by Martin. Martin slipped up coming off two there in the yeah, video yeah. that we got here is showing that. But Martin slips up. Hyatt drives underneath and they come down into turn three. And Martin's brake pedal went to the floor or something. I don't know. He just drove right through <laughs> and dumped him. And Joseph Joyner, which for those of you on Facebook, that's the Hunt the Front team down there. You know, so they're all over Facebook. Hunt the Front. Look it up on Facebook. Kind of a neat deal they got going on. He stopped by him for the biggest win of his career. So it was pretty cool. But uh, did you see what happened down in, uh, down in the pits afterwards? Yeah, that, that was one of the reasons I went back to Florida to see if they had that on the, still on the website. And, yeah, there was quite a crowd around the uh, uh, Parker Martin's car. And uh, apparently he never got out of the car. Even when they pushed him back to his pit stall, he stayed in his car for a few minutes after that. Um, but I actually, I was watching this last night. I mean, you and I were texting each other, and I went to bed with like 48 laps to go because it's like I got to work in the morning, and this could, this could be till 2 a.m. before they're done with this. And uh, so then I saw the last two laps this morning when I, when I was checking – things out online and you know saw all the excitement but then during my lunch hour I went back and watched the last 19 laps and actually I mean Parker Martin was very impressed I mean he passed Dale McDowell on the outside I mean mm -hmm. he was definitely in charge of that race and he had a fast car I mean according to the announcers uh you know his pit crew was telling him to slow down I mean because he they were afraid that he was going to burn up his tire and uh so, I mean, that changed my perspective a little bit about him because, I mean, he, I mean, that was a good racing move that he did. Mm -hmm. The last lap, not so much. I mean, because he, I mean, he pushed up in corner two, you know, that gave Jason Hewitt the opening he needed, and then Parker Martin just drilled him. I mean, I mean, <laughs> there's no other way to put it, but 
one of the funny things was, and I sent this to you was, I mean, everybody has a different opinion whether you like a driver or not. And I saw this post on Facebook and somebody posted that, um, I don't see what the big deal is. The driver pulled the slider on him and then basically came to a stop. And <laughs> it's like, were you watching the same race? <laughs> well, I tell you what, so, we'll, we'll um, let the fans, we'll let, Bert, we'll let the fans make the call. You know, I play the clip here and we'll let the fans make the call. We'll let them kind of determine what they think, because like you said, everybody's got a different opinion. I know what we saw, right? I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you run to the back of somebody, typically that's on you, right? I mean, that's how it works for insurance. I just kind of, I'm thinking that's kind of how it worked there too. And they actually did disqualify him for that, for when he yep. dumped him. So, but we'll let the we'll let the fans kind of determine what they think. Yeah, they, they placed him at twenty third. Yeah, so you know, I tell you, even though that there was some debacle at the end, and I I got to be honest, I texted Jeff Krause and I asked if he was related to them guys down there because they're used to that battle royale stuff um, with Krause <laughs> Racing. Um, love you, Jeff, but you know what I'm talking about here. Um, but big win there for Joseph Joiner. You know, if if race fans, if you're not familiar with their team. Go to Hunt the Front on Facebook and check it out. It's a really cool deal. You know, uh, Bert, any other thoughts there on on that race down there? Well, uh, we should probably mention the announcing a little bit because uh, <laughs> their, their announcing is a little bit different than it is up here. I, you know, I, I never like to complain about announcers because, you know, they're doing their thing and everybody has their own style. Um, but, you know, I, I think there was like 15 laps laps remaining in the super late model feature so that would have been about an hour and a half into the feature and one of the announcers said yeah this 100 lap feature is moving along pretty quick and i wasn't quite sure <laughs> uh what he meant by that <laughs> maybe that is quick down there i'm not really sure and i am going to be extremely careful about talking smack about an announcer because being that they hand me a mic every once in a while uh, yeah i We'll just say it's they they got an interesting perspective on things, but uh, yeah, it, it was pretty fun. Now I've never seen that many flat tires in a single race. That kind of reminds me of back of that sprint car race a while back where it's like everybody got a flat tire. I think was that at Houston maybe, um, where where everybody was blowing right rears. It was kind of the same deal there, flats, mm -hmm. flats, flats. But did you notice also that well, first of all, the all everybody in the infield they literally stand on the wall. Right, like they're standing yep. in arm's reach of the race cars. So I'm like, I can't believe somebody will get killed. But number two, there's no tire change area. They get a flat tire, they're literally pulling back to their trailer to their pit lift and lifting up the car, and then they wait for them. So that's why there's 800 new yep. parade laps. Like they would just wait and wait and wait and wait. <clears throat> I mean, it was, it was unique. It was, it was totally a unique perspective on that one. Now, let's let's get off that one. You know. And we'll go to what happened slightly before that. And uh, that was over at Charlotte, the, the last call. Now, man, I, I'm going to let you kind of talk about, you know, what you <laughs> saw there first. And then I got you know, a couple of thoughts there myself. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start with the late models. You know, overall thoughts on the late models. I mean, I, I don't want to mention any names, but I do know a guy that picked right the first night on the winner. He didn't pick right the second night, though. Uh, <laughs> I, I did pick Overton to win, and he looked pretty darn good. McCready won night two. But what, what was your thoughts on the late model racing there at Charlotte? Um, I mean, it, it wasn't great racing. And we talked about this on last week's show, uh, that uh, uh, a race there that the prior week was very, very dusty. And that turned out to be what happened when the uh, when the World of Outlaw Late Models were there. Um, Tim McCready is one of my favorite drivers. And I think one of the reasons he is one of my favorite drivers is because he's not afraid to say what's on his mind. And uh, they interviewed him. I, I watched the post-race interviews both nights. And the, after the first night, um, you know, he was, he was complaining because he said the track used to be really good there, nice and wide. And he said that it seems like they narrow up the, they, they continue to make the corners more narrow, and which, which makes it tougher to pass at that track. And, uh, you know, obviously the dust wasn't good. Uh, then 
the, after the second night, he was a little bit more forgiving because he did get the victory. Uh, but the, um, they asked him about driving through lap traffic. And he said, well, you know, it was dusty. And then, he's, and then his comment was, I don't want to be one of those drivers, meaning he doesn't want to be one of those drivers who complains. But <laughs> uh, it was tough to see when you got into lap traffic. <laughs> it, it was a debacle. I mean, the clay seems so weird. They put new surface on it. It's kind of like Cedar Lake's clay, where it doesn't really roll up into a cushion. It just turns to powder, and it just blows the marbles up all over the racetrack. Just kind of a a really weird surface down there. Well, it, it doesn't slick over. It doesn't get that hard, slick surface. It, it just stays, it seems like it stays kind of powdery and dusty. Yeah, really gritty. Now, you know, that that's a couple of the guys that won, right? McCready and Overton, there was a couple of sprint car guys that ran. And, you know, we talked about who's going to do better and whatever. Shots did better night one. He got fourth. I was impressed. You know, I did not expect yeah, yeah. Donnie Schatz to roll off the top five in that deal. I was very impressed. Night two, he got, he got like, the loaded heat race, right? He got, like, his heat was stacked, and he bobbled right away, didn't make the show, and so he – it's hard to judge. So he had overall, between him and Larson, he had the best finish, but Larson made the show both nights. First night he went out, and I think he DNF'd. He, kind of, he, he either ran in the back or he DNF'd, but on the score sheet he was pretty deep. And uh, he got sixth, I believe, the second night. So, overall, I guess you can look at it. Larson made both shows. Shots made one, but Shots had a top five. So, you know, I, I call that pretty even. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I had uh, – I mean, my prediction was that Larson would have a better showing than Shots was. And then after the first night, uh, when I looked at the results, I saw he finished fourth. I was like, well. Okay, I have to apologize for doubting his his driving ability in a late model. I was somewhat basing my opinion on a couple of years ago. He raced in a Dirt Kings race and he ran like mid pack. Really didn't impress me too much in the late model, and I was driving against you know the local drivers in Eastern Wisconsin. So um, I guess it goes to prove you can't base a decision based on one showing. <laughs> right. I got to give a shout out to Lanny Nichols. I know that. Uh, he went up and got that car together. He went up to up to Fargo there, left from Watertown, you know, a week, a week or so ago now and helped get the engine in, got it running, got everything all dialed in. So shout out to Lanny there, kind of a cool deal. But, you know, good to see shots running well. Now, speaking of shots, speaking of Larson, let's roll into the sprint cars, right? Because the championship was over. I mean, honestly, I mean, Brandon Shepard had that one a long, long time ago. But the sprint cars was a little bit up for grabs. I mean, Sweet had a pretty big lead. He did seal the deal in the points. Um, he had a good weekend. But uh, what was your thoughts on the sprint car racing? Well, uh, of the racing that I could actually see, it was pretty <laughs> – it was kind of good. <laughs> um, the sprint, it was really dusty for the sprint cars. Uh, it was worse than the late models. Uh, you know, I was watching – I mean, I didn't watch the entire – features as they happen. I watched the highlights of the features on YouTube. And um, I mean, some of those camera shots mid race, I mean, you could hardly see the cars in, in the screen at all. And in fact, towards the end of the race in the, uh, the second night, uh, for the video, they actually went to the drone shot because it wasn't as dusty up in the air. <laughs> Yeah, Craig, DQ Craig from Alexandria sent a picture or a little video over to Krause, and he was sitting in the grandstands, and he was like, here's what I can see. You couldn't see the back straightaway, or if, I don't even know what side of the track he was on, but you couldn't see across it. And that, you know, here's the deal. So the winners, you know, David Gravel, night one, he, he was the winner night one, which happened to be his third straight win at the dirt track in Charlotte. So he's really good. And, and not only did he win the first night, he was on the podium again with a third the second night. Um, Sheldon Hoddenschild and Schatz rolled out the top three. Uh, Schuhart won night two with Sweet and Gravel in the top three. So the people that you expect to be up front were up front. It's just the cream rise to the top, so to speak. But Ryan's rant of the week is this, okay? <laughs> I'm The World Racing Group, is way too political bullshit for this guy, all right? It just is. First of all, they're based out of Charlotte, and I think they're trying to mirror NASCAR. All this political rules, and I mean, they're just 
they, I just don't think they get it. I really don't. I think the world racing group just simply does not understand dirt racing. I, I think they don't get it. And that's why people say all the time, the Lucas Oil Late Model Series is better than World of All Law Written. I, I get it. I agree. After this year, I totally agree. I'm on the same page. You know, first of all, they called that end of the year deal a crown jewel. Dude, it's 12 grand to win each time. I ain't no crown jewel. Like, they can call it that because there ain't nobody else racing and they get everybody there, but it ain't a crown jewel. It's 12 grand to win. If you why not have your biggest event of the year at the end of the year? That's your finale, championship weekend. Pay some real money, right? You know, World of Outlaws, open up your checkbook. I mean, that, that shows a joke what they pay at that meal. Terrible. And then they bring it to Charlotte because that's the home of World Racing Group, and they want to bring them home, and they kind of want to do the – give them a racetrack. I mean, if you can't prepare a racetrack any better than that, move that event somewhere so to anywhere. Pick a place that somebody knows what the heck they're doing and have the race there. That is the most embarrassing thing I have ever seen in my entire life, and I am absolutely – I'm going to go on the record and say this. I am so happy that COVID happened, right? I'm happy because if it wouldn't have happened, that shit would have been televised, right? That would have been on live TV. That would have been horrible because, you know, the, the end of the year race, what are they, the dirt track world champ, what is it called? The world finals or whatever. That's usually televised live, right? Isn't that usually live on TV? Can you, can you it imagine? Has, it has been in the past. Yeah, and I don't. I think I think it was supposed to be this year. I'm not really sure on that, but I'm sure glad it wasn't because that was horrible. Like, if that can you imagine, like an, a non-diehard race fan jumping online and going, you know what, sprint cars are live on TV. I might as well turn it on and watch it. They'd be like, what the hell is that? Like, I can't even see the racetrack. This is stupid. I thought this was supposed to be exciting and entertaining. I'm glad COVID happened for that reason because. Nobody had to watch that, you know, unless they actually paid for Dirt Vision and watched it. So that's a good thing because that was like, that was a train wreck. That was absolutely terrible. The other thing is this, okay? The week before, so so why did they not have this event, right? Because the week before, they had a big, a big UMP event with, I don't know, I think they had like 10 classes of cars there. And they changed the whole format of this deal to only have one class each night why is that right because it wasn't because of covid it wasn't because they just had they just the week before they just had a packed house right so why couldn't they do it for that deal that's all on world racing group kind of their political nonsense that they got going on there so i don't know i'm just not a big fan of world racing group they, they're you know speaking of the late model deal remember austin Kirkpatrick? he looked really good a young kid looked really good and they, he's supposed to start third in the feature on night two. World Racing Group docked him because he didn't make it to staging on time, so they made him start last. Really? He was there in plenty of time. He might not have been there by their bells at 10-2, and I get it. They say, oh, the rules are the same for everybody. The guy had problems. He was working on his car, though. He had problems under the hood. That's a stupid rule. I mean, there's way too many rules in this crap, right? You go down to that East Alabama race, clearly there's no rules there. It's like a free-for-all. You can do whatever the hell you want. And then you go to the World Racing Group show, and it's nothing but stupid rules, right? The droop rule, right? The the not going to staging at the right time rule. The all the COVID crap. And speaking of that, you, you know what frustrated me, Bert? When you see people down there talking, right? People talking, there ain't nobody around these people. Nobody around. There ain't nobody within a mile of them. And you got these people down there that are commentating and all that. This is a world of outlaw regulated, politicized bunch of nonsense. And they're wearing a freaking mask, talking to themselves. They're, they're literally standing by themselves, talking to the mic with a mask on. It's like, all right, dipshit, seriously. Like, we're all sick of seeing that. You got to figure out who your audience is here, okay? Your audience is a bunch of dirt fans that are sick of seeing that crap. That, that's just stupid. Now, if you want to, if you want to wear a mask, if you're right next to somebody, great, fine. But for God's sake, I am sick and tired of seeing people wear masks when they're not by anybody. It pisses me off. Okay, literally. Okay, I ain't gonna get into the election deal because some people are really bitter, <laughs> some people are really happy. It is what it is. Okay, 
life is going to go on regardless of what side you're on. It is, okay? We're going to have racing. It's all going to happen. But quit wearing a stupid mask when you're not around people. I was in Duluth, Minnesota, Bert. I'm driving on the road. I'm at the stoplight. I look left. I look right. There's people wearing masks in vehicles by themselves. It's like, I just wanted to like, bam, smash into them. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? And then I jump on the World of Outlaw Race and I see these idiots wearing masks down there when they're like literally talking to themselves on the mic. I wanted to reach through the screen and just punch them in the face. I mean, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. So World of Outlaws has gotten to be too much like NASCAR. It just has. It's all politicized garbage and there's too many rules and it just, it gives me a headache. And then to top it all off, their end of the year finale was at a complete disaster of a racetrack that's basically ran by, in, it's Charlotte, so it's a NASCAR-owned racetrack, right? I mean, so, I mean, at the end of the day, they got to get their crap together. If they don't, there ain't going to be a World Bowl Law Late Model Series because there's way more people jumping into the Lucas Oil deal and all of the good guys in World of Outlaws are kind of quitting. So there's going to be like three cars, you know, I'm just saying. So they better maybe... They better, they better get it together for 2021. What is your thoughts? Well, I, I, I wish you would stop trying to straddle the fence and just let us know how you really feel. I got to sugarcoat <laughs> stuff, man. I, I just can't throw it out there because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, with the COVID thing, uh, you know, with the mask thing, it's like, you know, People will the people will complain if you're not wearing a mask, even if there's not nobody around you. And it, it's just it's just a just to show that we care. Basically, is what that is. Um, so yeah, you can wear that mask for the rest of the show <laughs> because I don't want to get COVID through the through the the lines here. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, people have to. It's their way of showing that they care, and it, it's the political correct world. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, COVID is a serious thing, and numbers are higher now. And you know, I I don't know what the answer is, but yeah, I mean, wearing a mask when there's nobody else around, I don't quite see see the point in that. I mean, where I work, we need to wear a mask when we walk around the building, but when you're in your office by yourself with the door closed we don't have to wear a mask and uh, you know, that's, that's, unfortunately, that, yes, unfortunately I, I, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Unfortunately. <laughs> I, I'm with you. And, and I agree totally. Uh, again, like, like clearly I, I, I do have a mask. Okay. And, and I don't really, I mean, do I like wearing a mask? No, but, but I will. Right. If I go into a gas station, they say yep. that I have a mask. I, I don't have an issue with that. You're around other people wear a mask. It is what it is. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I don't care, okay? But seeing people wear a mask just for show, right, when there's nobody around, that, that annoys me. That just, that, that just, that, that kind of pisses me off. I mean, let's, I mean, people ain't that stupid. I mean, I mean, come on, you know? So that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Oh, that, that, that race, it, it was a train wreck. Congratulations to the champions. You know, Brad Sweet, two well, in a row. You know, that's that's. I want to say one thing though. You didn't see many. You didn't see any masks in, at the Alabama racetrack. You did not. Nor teeth. You didn't see teeth either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? That might be on the air. Sorry if you're from the south. <laughs> so let's uh let's roll into some mod racing and we can tie some late model racing in with it. USMPS Championship Weekend RPM Speedway down in Texas. Uh, night one, they ran, they actually ran Thursday, Friday, Saturday, okay? And night one, a local down there, Jack Sartain, I believe is how they pronounce his name, from eighth. He got her done in the USMTS mods. But rolling into town after the, the last call at Charlotte, none other than the B5 Express of Brandon Shepard. And I, I have to... Uh, get down on my knees and sincerely apologize to Brandon Shepard for doubting his modified driving abilities. Um, I mean, I, I knew he could drive a modified, but I wasn't necessarily real impressed with the showing uh, last weekend or, you know, the previous weekend. But uh, 
yeah, this last weekend, uh, he, uh, he definitely showed that he can drive a modified by winning two straight uh, mod races there. Um, I will say, though, it, he's still more exciting to watch in a late model, <laughs> but he can win in a modified also. Um, he, he won rather easily. I mean, the first race that he won, uh, he was battling Terry Phillips early in the race. And then uh, Phil, it looked like he hit a rut and his car bounced around. And then it looked like uh, it, it broke his rear end because his rear end looked cockeyed. And eventually uh, he pulled off the track. There was a lot of smoke coming from a, a tire rub. And I think that's from the rear end getting cockeyed after he, after he broke it. So uh, he pulled into the pits and Shepard won that race. In his post-race interview, uh, you know, Shepard said that was too bad that happened to Phillips, but he thought that he still had the car to get by him. So he was still confident he was going to win either way. <laughs> you know, in last week, in that USRA weekend, the first two nights he was so-so. The third night, he started looking pretty good, though. Um, he won the B from deep. He came from the back of the feature and was just outside the top five. So he, he started looking good. And then he goes down and he runs against, I mean, basically the same group. You know, the, a lot of the USMTS guys, we're at that USRA show and into double up in that deal. That guy can flat out wheel a race car. I mean, yeah, I'm very impressed. And I'm, I'm also impressed. He's really humble. You know, he's, he's quiet. He's laid back in, in his attitude. I mean, he acts like he's done it before. You know, I like to see excitement and all that, but he's professional. Um, hell of a race car driver, hell of an accomplishment. Rodney Sanders, of course, it was already done going into the weekend, but he's your 2020 USMTS champion again. I think, I don't know how many he's got, but he's got a few. And another hell of a race car driver, humble guy right there. Um, but, yeah, really cool. I wonder how much Brandon Shepard's going to run a modified next year. I thought it was pretty neat that he got into that deal. I, I hope he runs more shows next year. Yeah, I mean, after, after – I'm not sure which night it was, but uh, the announcers uh, said that uh, this was his – yeah. Must have been after the first night. Uh, this was his first modified win in 10 years. So, uh, you know, it, you know, but I mean, obviously he's been racing late models, you know, over the last 10 years. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll see him in a modified a little bit more next year. Uh, you know, if, if he can win, he can bring some money to a team owner. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I'm just uh, texting with a guy right now, getting some numbers. For, we're going to talk about some upcoming events now. You know, so that was kind of the weekend in review. Not a lot, not a lot of racing um, going on last weekend, but there was some big stuff that happened. Now, coming up this weekend, um, they, the, on Flow Sports, if you go to Flow Racing Dirt on Dirt, they call it the Magnolia State 100, but it, it's the Cotton Picking 100. Now, I don't know if they – I'm kind of curious about that, Bert. I, I got to be honest. I mean, I just, yeah. <laughs> is that one of the political, another one of the political deals right there? Because it, the racetrack it itself, right? They call it the Cotton Picking 100. It's in it's in Mississippi, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's the name of the race. But you go on flow and it's called the Magnolia State 100. I'm like, really? I mean, we're race car fans. I mean, do they not know their audience? I mean, the people watching this are race car fans. We're not a bunch of like soft little pussies that are afraid of like getting our feelings hurt. Sorry, like that's that that's NBA. Okay, that's not racing. Okay, that's just not the way it is. But with that said, Friday, um, that's good. This is both on full racing, by the way. If you want to watch this, if you're if you still need a racing fix, which if you're like me, you do, right? That's why you're watching the show because you need a racing fix. We're all addicts, right? I'm not afraid to admit it. Okay. So Friday on Flow Racing, it's 4,000 to win for the late models. Saturday, 70 laps, 12 grand to win. Last year's winners were Lanigan and Marlar won that last year. So it sounds like some pretty darn good drivers go there. I, you know, I'm thinking, what do you think? Maybe, uh, can you see maybe a Madden Overton? Can you see some of them guys going? What do you think? Well, I mean, th this is typically the type of race that Overton does go to this year. I mean, that that's kind of – I was thinking about this uh, over the last week, you know, for, from a driver's standpoint, which is better, following a series or picking and choosing which races you go to? I mean, Overton's won a lot of money this year, just picking yes. and choosing which races he wants to race in. Yeah, and, uh, he's so, won a lot I mean, of big ones. A lot of big ones. Yeah. 
So I, I would imagine Overton would go there and, you know, some of the other top drivers would go there. Um, you know, some are probably just, okay, we're done for this year because next year is going to be here in a few weeks. <laughs> and, it, and it's hard to pick because we don't know who's going and who's not. Right. Um, I mean, Lanigan and Marlar, I expect them to be there. I know that Boyd Speedway has something going on, but that's only five grand to win. That's the Gobbler. That's over in Georgia, so that's Overton's home turf. Maybe he'll go there. I, I, oh, I don't know. True, yeah. You know, so yeah. that's that's actually uh, – I believe that's on that, – I'm not sure if that's Friday or Saturday. You have to look at – that's on Flow. You'll have to look at that to find it. It's on Dirt, um, it's on, uh, dirt on Dirt. You can, there's a link. I kind of like what – speaking of that, I like what Dirt on Dirt did, Bert. Um when they switched over their live viewing over to Flow Racing, at first, like, they didn't have anything listed. Like, it just says everything's on Flow Racing. You go to Flow Racing, it's kind of like a debacle, like trying to figure out what's what. Well, now, Dirt on Dirt, they kind of fixed that. You can still click on Dirt on Dirt, and it links you over to Flow Racing, but now they have okay, late model okay. races listed. It's kind of neat what they did there. Um, so I'm pretty glad that they did that. But the Fall Nationals, that's uh, Ray Cook's series. They have, I believe it's the Gobbler, they call it, and that's five grand to win. And uh, so that's uh, that's also happening this week. And maybe some of them guys on there, I, you know, McDowell's going to race somewhere. Um, you're going to see Overton yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Madden's going to be somewhere. So, you know, just keep an eye out. I don't know where they're going to be. Watch on, you know, jump on Facebook and check to see. But there's going to be some pretty good late model racing yet to happen this weekend. I'm excited to jump online and watch it. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, I mean, you know, in Wisconsin, racing's done, so it's nice to be able to get online and still watch some racing. And that's why, you know, even though the the races at the East Alabama track were different, uh, it was still good to see racing online and be able to watch racing at this time of the year. So I don't want to complain too much because I don't want the races to disappear. Obviously, <laughs> you know, at the very least, it was entertaining because, like, I laughed. Right. I mean, I'm sitting there laughing. I'm like, what? I mean, like. I'm, I'm thinking if that would have been up in Grand Rapids or Hibbing, like they would have shot all the board members like afterwards. I mean, it would have been like, it would have been a bad deal. So it was comical. Now, Puka, this next one's for you, buddy. This one's for you right here. Okay. Even though you're, I, even though you're not on here with us, I know you're listening and, and, and uh, shout out best wishes to Puka and his family down there. Cause Heather's going through some, uh, some struggles right now, health wise, of course they're down getting checked out. So, our best wishes, you know, to, to the, you know, to his family. We want to make sure that, you know, she, mama, mama needs to be taken care of. So hopefully everything's going good down there. But uh, the biggest paying race of the weekend. <laughs> Great Your late favorite models. division. <laughs> Great late models, you know. And, uh, yeah, Volunteer Speedway. So incidentally, um, that's Bulls Gap. Right, and that's where Ricky Weiss basically is working out of now. Ever since he, uh, him and Scott Bloomquist broke up, they quit dating. Um, he's over at Bulls Gap, and that's kind of he's working out of that shop now. So he ran last weekend. He got, I believe, he got second. They had a twenty-five hundred win show. He got second in that deal. But this week, twenty grand to win. It's the Crate Late Model National Championship at the Volunteer Speedway in Bulls Gap now. I, I've looked, and I don't. I have not seen anything, Bert, where this is streamed. I have not seen anything online, and I'd actually like to watch it. I mean, if nothing else, I want to see how Ricky does. I mean, he's kind of a, he's one of our guys, northern guy. I'd like to see how he does in that deal. So I'm really hoping that something pops up here this week. I'd like to watch that online. But yeah, uh, Ricky Weiss uh, got you know crane engine in the car. How about that? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. And, uh, you know, you said that he raced uh, last week in a smaller to, to win show, but it'll be interesting to see how he does in a bigger show like this because uh, for 20000 to win, you would think you'd have some of the top crate late model drivers in the area they're racing. So to see how he stacks up against them who have a lot more experience than him in a crate late model. Yeah, a couple names to kind of keep an eye on to see if they pop up there. Kyle Bronson's been running a crate. Um, he's been doing that maybe the last three weeks, maybe four. Um, Mark Whitener, who was pretty darn impressive in speed weeks in the open late models, he's been running a crate. Um, yep. is, is Cody Overton Brandon Overton's brother? Is that how that is? 
I don't know if they're. I, I'm pretty sure they're related. They may be brothers. You may yeah, be I'm, right on that. I, I feel like I should know that, but I don't know that. But he he runs a crate. You know, he's been running some crate stuff. So that'll be a good deal. Twenty grand to win. I mean, let's let's face it. You're gonna get some good hot rods there. And uh, now we'll jump over to mods. Okay. And now this is on racing dirt. Okay. So them race the the couple eight model races we talked about. That's on Flow Racing. On racing dirt this week. Big stuff happening out west. Big stuff happening out west. I talked to the promoter of this event, Barry. He said 500 cars registered. Perfect show for Puka. I mean, absolutely <laughs> perfect show for Puka. They have IMCA stock cars, IMCA sport mods, and IMCA modifieds. And it's the, I don't know what annual you might have that in front of you, but the Duel in the Desert IMCA deal out in Las Vegas. And a fanless deal, I mean, kind of. Right, because they're allowed ten people per car. Well, let's face it, five hundred times ten is five thousand people. They get five thousand people there. They're doing just fine financially, plus the parking fees and all that. They're that deal's going perfectly fine financially. But it's on racing dirt, and uh, that should be some pretty darn good racing. Um, I know that you have some folks from your area that are heading out there. Why don't you talk about about them, and then I'll talk about a couple people that on the national scene are going to be there. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a huge event uh, for that area of the country where there's not a lot of racetracks. Over the last couple of years, I've interviewed a few Arizona modified drivers and they always talk about how big this event is and that, you know, if you're from that area, you have to go to it because there's not as many tracks down in that area at, you know, we're kind of spoiled with the number of tracks we have in the Midwest. Uh, but yeah, there's a handful of drivers from Eastern Wisconsin who have traveled down, uh, down there to race. Uh, I know uh, Mike Whittlestat is down there. Kelsey Hayes. Um, now hey, I'm drawing a blank. Why are you thinking that. about that, Bert? <laughs> I, I had a brain fart. I, if you know me, it happens all the time. I, I, like <laughs> people are just used to it. Incidentally, that is not on racing dirt. Um, that's on XR. Okay. That's on XR. That's Barry's deal. I don't know what I'm so used to racing dirt doing the modified stuff. I apologize, but that that's on XR is what that's on. So they have. I think it's. I think if you just type in XR, you'll be able to find it. I think it's. I think that's what it's called. Just XR, and uh, that's what it's on. That deal out in Las Vegas, not racing dirt. So my bad. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, like I was saying, there's a handful of of uh, modified drivers from Eastern Wisconsin who have traveled down there. Uh, so, you know, I'll be uh, trying to pay attention to how they do down there. Uh, I know Jeremy Christians, uh, he, he has a provisional for the feature, I believe, because he won, he had the best two day finish at the Shano Speedway two day special and the, in the IMCA stock car division. And that driver got a provisional in the race. So, uh, uh, I, I'm assuming he's going down there, but I don't know that for a fact. Okay. Yeah. That'll be pretty exciting. I mean, I, I'm a homer. I, I just am. So Wisconsin's right in between my homes, right? I'm from Minnesota. I now live in Illinois. So Wisconsin's kind of crunched there in the middle. So if they're from our area, I want to see them guys do well there. So I'm excited to kind of keep an eye on that. And a couple guys on the national scene. From what I understand, and I think this is still the case, but rumor has it Scott Boomquist, right? The voodoo child is supposed to be running a modified. Now, the question is, over and under, you know, is he going to make it to all the shows or under? Is he gonna, I mean, is he going to be stuck at the casino? I mean, I mean, it's pretty easy to get him there. They said, hey, come to Vegas. We're going to let you drive a car. He saw a casino. Uh, is, you know, so, I mean, that'll be interesting to see. Do you think he'll hit all the shows, or do you think he'll be stuck at the casino for at least one of them? Well, I don't know if he'll be stuck at the casino for any of them, but, um, you know, I hope he tries to hit all the shows. I mean, be, because, you know, that's, that would, that's a major draw for the event, you know, people tuning in online and that sort of thing. And, and he's, he won that big one in Batesville a few years back. So, I mean, he's, he knows how to get her on the track and Brandon Shepard, of course, just got her done in the, in the USMPS stuff, but probably the, one of the hottest guys in the country that pulls double duty 20RT, Ricky <laughs> Thornton Jr. I, I'm I'm excited to see how he does. It looks like he's going to be out there 
and of course, I think uh, um, I would say that he's got to be the favorite to win. I mean, he's in my yeah, mind. Now, another guy I'm I thinking, would agree. and I haven't confirmed this, but I believe that Jake O'Neill is probably going to be making the trip out okay, there as okay. well. You know, so, well, let's face it, 500 cars. I don't know exactly the numbers because they're still in practice. The, the, the deal starts in a day or two here, right? We're, we're airing. We're actually filming this show. It's Monday right now. Um, so I think it's a couple of days yet before racing happens. 300 at practice, but they got 500 cars registered. So it should be good. You know, tune in, like I said, XR. Tune into XR to catch that <laughs> racing action because, you know, if you like, uh, if you like IMCA stuff, it's going to be good. Now, that leads us, you know, to the last lap. And, you know, what do you say? What, let's start with uh, – let's start with speaking of IMCA stuff. Did you see what they got going on in Minnesota? No, I didn't see that. Uh, I see that you you have it on our list, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. Holy cow. So Cliff, Cliff Saster, he's the, he owns the North Central Speedway in Brainerd. He's also the promoter of the Princeton Speedway. They're having the Land of 10,000 Lakes 10K. It's going to be on IMCA TV June 24th, 25th, and 26th. He just announced this. This is a big deal. Um, IMCA modified stock cars, sport mods, and they're going to have hobby stocks the first night. IMCA Modsburg, five grand to win night one at Princeton, five grand to win night one at Brainerd, which will be night two of the series. And then the third night, which is also going to be at Brainerd, 10,000 to win. Now it's the same for the stock cars. It's five, five, 10. And then for the sport mods, 2,500, 2,500, 5,000. Holy crap. That dude is flat out throwing some money around. Now, the question I have is this. How many Wissota guys are going to get IMCA legal and try to run that show with that kind of money on the line? Do you see some of them guys maybe doing that? Uh, possibly. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, because you said it's June 20-something, so that would be like a week after the Masters or within a week to two weeks after the Masters. So Clash at the Creek at 141 Speedway, 10,000 a win would be in the middle of that. So um, there's going to be a lot of big, big paying races in, you know, a, one big paying race. Well, if you count the Masters, uh, several in Wisconsin and also in Minnesota, it's just different sanctionings. Yeah, that's just an example of it seems like there's a big special event literally every weekend of the year somewhere. So you got all your regular racing, but there's always a special. Now, um, speaking of, speaking, of, we'll, we'll jump into some late models now. You saw some news on Lanigan. Yeah, he's uh, getting out of the Barry Wright uh, house car, and he's going to be... Uh, racing a rocket, getting back into a rocket where he had most of his success in his career. It seemed like his career kind of took a turn once he started building his own chassis. And, uh, you know, you know, he back when he was racing rockets, you know, you expected him to win almost any night that he was out there. And it, it's kind of changed since then. So, uh, so that's interesting. I uh, hope, um, he, you know, he had a little bit of bad luck at uh, Charlotte, was in an accident on the first night, uh, pretty bad accident, and actually they took him to the hospital for uh, precautionary reasons, and he had a concussion, so uh, hopefully he's uh, well on his way to uh, getting better and, uh, you know, be tearing up the track next year in Rockets. <laughs> yeah, if you can't beat him, join him, and he's already proven that he can win races in a rocket, and right now on the national scene, it's hard to – you can't convince me that that's not the car to be in. Longhorns are good, too, but those two seem to be number one, number two. Yep. But it's it's tough to – it's hard to argue against the success Rocket had this year. So I'm looking for him to kind of have a bounce-back season in 2021. Now, speaking of some late model deal, this is a little – I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring this up on there, but it's, it's kind of neat, but it's kind of morbid. I, I don't really know. You know, but did you see uh, Jackie Boggs, of course, you know, he passed away here about a week or so ago. Did you see his coffin? I I did. Yes, it was. It's a very uh, um, 
very high class looking coffin decked out in uh you know his racing colors and uh everything so uh i mean it's a fitting tribute to him for sure i thought it was super cool and jump on uh you know troy troy powers has the 2020 page on facebook um jump on there because they got some pictures of it i think there's a little video of it too and at first i'm like i didn't know what to think when i saw it i'm like what's well, kind of weird but then you think about it, it's like everybody's kind of got the same old pine box, right? Or whatever. It's, it's a wood box. And the guy's a racer. Been a racer his whole life. Racing has been his life. So it's just, I thought it was kind of cool. It was something unique, something different. I thought it was kind of a kind of a cool touch there. And uh, now, Bert, this is pretty cool. Uh, I, I may or may not have kind of talked smack a little bit about the crate late models a little bit. You know, I kind of was prodded by Hot Carl to do that. So, you know, just I'm blaming him, right? Uh, but I was out in South Dakota last week, and buddy of mine, he's a crate guy. He won the crate late model deal, limited late model deal over at Casino Speedway in Watertown. And he says, hey, let's go down to the Stinger Speedway tonight. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, I announced it when I was over in Watertown, the Stinger Speedway, and I, I didn't even know what it was. Well, I get down there on Friday, and during the off-season, right, when, as long as there's no snow on the ground, they throw some money up. It's like 500 to win. It's a go-kart track. Like a, so we're, we're talking a small little town. It's, this was really cool. White, South Dakota, okay? And a, race, a racing family, the Terrell family, uh, Wade Terrell, he runs a street stock over there. He owns this deal. So it's a recreational oval track on, on pavement. They got these traction strips on there. Um, go-kart track so like during the summer you can go there with your buddies and buy a ticket and go race and just kind of like you do at any recreational go-kart track throughout the country right well on this deal you pay 30 bucks and you can enter and then they have heats and b mains and feature event and they give 500 dollars to the winner and there was a pile of racers there including the guy that actually won it blake swenson he's a late model guy his dad chuck um is a former wasota late model national champion a couple times in the wasota sprints he was there. He didn't race this year because he had a kid, but he's racing next year. Um, and then there were several other racers there, DJ Tash and Adam Brotherton and um, Ryan Berkey and, and uh, Brady Mellendorf and um, Keith Conold and Levi Krieger. And I mean, there was a bunch of them, right? A whole bunch of racers. So they had 20 some people and, and DJ's like, dude, you got, you got to do this. And I'm like, uh, I, I didn't even want to go at first. I'm kind of like, I don't know. Well, I get down there and I'm like, all right. And I'm, I'm like, I'll get in. And I went out in the first heat. What they did is they ran three sets of heat races. And then they, they gave two points for first. No, three points for first, uh, one point for second. And nobody else got points in the top six and points went into the A main. And then they had B mains to kind of fill it all in. I went out in the first heat race and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I terrible? I got like fifth. I'm like, I was horrible. I'm like, this is embarrassing. This is stupid, right? I'm like feeling dumb. I'm like, these guys are all like skinny little punks and I'm this little not so skinny guy. And I'm like, this is bad. So then I get in the next heat and I run third. I'm like, all right, starting to feel pretty good. Still needed a little something. I went out and I won the next heat. And then I started second row in the B main. I won that. So I'm in the A main and I ended up, uh, might have used up Keith Conold a little bit to get into fourth, and I, I just missed uh, the podium by one. But it, I tell you, it was a hell of a lot of fun, man. Like we, you know, they had a there was a little girl there, and, and her dad um, is actually the announcer over at um, Jarek Jarek Stabler, I believe is his name. Um, he's the announcer over at the Miller Central Speedway in Miller, South Dakota. His daughter was there. She must have been, I don't know, eight, maybe nine. And she did the announcing. It was cool. Like, she was sassy. And she's like, I thought you were faster than this. And she's, like, talking smack to people. And then there was a Brady Mellendorf's kid. He's, like, nine years old. And you can tell, like, he's got control and diamond it. And kind of fun to watch. And, like, I'm like, dude, like, if you race, let me know. Because I'd like to help you out a little bit. Like, as he gets a little bit older. But it kind of it brought back, like, the one thing I'll say, all of those crate late model guys in that area they got something called the brant mafia right and it's a whole bunch of crate late model guys limited late model guys that are like one core group you know how we talk about the street stock guys you know how they kind of kind of have that tight-knit group they have that same deal with the limited late model deal over there and it was really cool to see and be part of and 
and, and be able to go race on that deal. And they do it every week. They had a double header. And uh, if you're in the area, if you're watching this, if you get down to Watertown to the races or, you know, north of Sioux Falls, look for white South Dakota. It's a like population of hunters, right? I'm talking a tiny blip on the map. You got to check that place out because it was a hell of a lot of fun. Sounds like it. That, that, that I used to love racing go-karts. So, uh, yeah, that would be a fun experience. <laughs> yeah, some of my best childhood memories, Bert, was going to Cedar Lake. And uh, we would, you know, before or after Cedar Lake, we'd go over to the Apple Grand Prix in Somerset. And they, it was a road course deal. But, I mean, we, I made many, many laps at that place before I was old enough to drive a race car. And that kind of fueled it. You know, in, in Provenzino up in Hibbing, you know, I was talking to him and Jay Kittner and Tremberth and some of them guys. They had a little dirt oval up there where they did go-kart racing before they really got into racing. So having that for the community, it, that's such a good deal. It's pretty exciting to see what they have going on down there in South Dakota. So you, you got to check it out. And actually, I, if you jump on to uh, Dirt Race Central's Facebook page, uh, they had a Brent Mafia race, and I videotaped it. I did a little fun commentary in there or whatever. But I uh, got a bunch of views, and they were all excited about it. But, yeah, I, I'm glad I went down there. You know, and if, uh, if I get down to South Dakota before the snow flies, I may go there again because it was a really good time. But I'm definitely going to – if I don't this year, I'm going to hit it up next year for sure. So, Bert, uh, <clears throat> with that said, uh, any closing thoughts? I mean, anything – any closing thoughts or anything in particular you're looking forward to rolling into this next week? Uh, well, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, following the, the duel in the desert and uh, keeping up to date on how the Wisconsin drivers are doing. Because uh, like you said, you know, you know, even if they weren't from eastern Wisconsin, if they were from, you know, western Wisconsin, you know, anything, any driver from our area, you always root for them, you know. You know, you like to be a homer sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know what's weird is even if you don't always get, you know, like when you're racing against them, if you don't even get along with them, you still kind of find yourself going, well, hey, that's that's one of our guys, right? You know, so it just it's just the way it works. That that doesn't right. happen in football because, like, I'm never going to go, you know what, Packers are in our division. I'm just here for them. <laughs> Sorry, Bert, that just ain't, that ain't happening. But with racing – that's a little different story because that's the racing family is pretty tight knit. So with that said, you know, Hey, I, I had fun chatting about the, the week that we just had a little bit of a rant there. Uh, you know, I guess things frustrate me every once in a while, but it is what it is. But overall, I mean, we still love this sport and, and we're excited about uh, the future of it, regardless of what all happened this last week. We ain't going to get into that and then into any of that. We're still going to have dirt track racing. It is what it is. Um, that's not going to end. It just isn't. So with that said, uh, you know, get out there, support your racetrack, jump online, catch a lot of racing. There's still a lot of racing to be had yet here in 2020. And we're, we're partway through November. I'm in the upper peninsula of Michigan right now, and there's no snow on the ground. It's like, it was like 70 today, which is crazy this time of year. Never is 70 up there, but uh, we could be having racing right now. In fact, I, I will say, did you see what Granite City, James Trantina, I just, I never stop talking. I just don't. So James Trantina, <laughs> new owner at Granite City Speedway, excited for that guy. Excited for him because he's big vision guy, big vision guy. But uh, they had a practice night already. They had a practice night. They put all the surface down on the track. They had a few cars come over there. Um, Shane Howell let his pit guys kind of run it, a couple, couple young folks. And it sounded like it went pretty good. They said the track surface was pretty racy. So, you know, thumbs up to James. He's getting after it, I tell you. You know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people like to hate on a guy like him because he's aggressive. He gets after it, but he takes charge and flat out that guy makes things happen. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Granite City Speedway in, I guess, Sock Rapids, I think. I think it's St. Cloud, Sock Rapids, somewhere in that neighborhood, just north of St. Cloud, Minnesota. I'm excited to see what he has going because that guy has some big vision. And I mean, they're running race cars on a racetrack for it in november in minnesota really really i never thought that would happen but the weather worked out perfect so hats off to james over there good luck to you you know uh, it's a lot of work he's gonna find that out but i think he knows what he's getting into he's a business guy you know and uh but good luck to him and with soda board meetings coming up this week Bert, uh they're not having them in person that's gonna be online i am this guy is not gonna be part of that 
but uh, I might have some news on that afterwards. So with that said, uh, that's what we got. Episode 54 in the books. Episode 55 going to be coming up to you soon. And uh, we're the one to go show. Like Puka says, Bert, go out and be your dream, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, good time with you. We'll, uh, we'll see you all next yep. week. Yep. <laughs>